Welcome to Unlimited Horizons, a podcast hosted by the International Association of Women. I'm your host and the president of IAW, Megan Bizzuto. This show features amazing women from the IAW community who are climbing the corporate ladder and taking their communities with them. Are you ready to be inspired? Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to Unlimited Horizons, the podcast by the International Association of Women. My name is Megan Bizzuto. I'm your host here today. And I know I, I feel like I say this all the time, but this podcast has been so fun for me to record because I get to connect with the most incredible women and we we talk about their stories, their journeys, but we also walk away feeling really inspired with actionable tips, things you can go start working on tomorrow. Um, as I've shared before, this podcast is is a grouping of our influencer members and is is geared around giving them visibility, but also tying into their stories and understanding what motivates them, what drives them, giving a great big introduction to the world. So today I've got a very special guest joining me. Dahlia Min is joining me. She's the co-founder and executive director of Service Innovation. Um, she's a strategic leader with extensive cross-industry experience in leadership development and management, highly regarded for her skill in nurturing cohesive teams and establishing optimized organizational structures. Thought leader, speaker, and mentor who extends her knowledge to audiences worldwide with the ability to develop innovative leadership programs, resolve complex management challenges, and lead transfer transformative team building experiences. So Dahlia, I know I I read off what, what we have on your bio here, but Tell us more about kind of your your journey through through your career and how you've ended up where you are today. Yeah, uh, well, thanks for having me here today, Megan. It's great to be talking to a wonderful uh, audience. I think um, I'd like to start off when I was young. My I'm a Kurdish American, so I was born in a refugee uh, as a refugee in Pakistan, and I remember early on that I had to become a leader. A leader um, in my family to take on responsibilities, listen to my parents, translate for them, help um, overcome a lot of challenges. Um, and then when we moved to the United States, I was uh, quite young and I had to learn a whole new culture. Um, once again, just in my first 10 years of, of life and and really be able to, um, again, overcome challenges, understand, uh, you know, read between the lines and understand nuances and um create a community for myself. And when I realized, um, you know, in my early teens that I was quite good at that, you know, I was good at bringing people together, answering questions or sharing the knowledge that I had with others and created a small um, not-for-profit um, in Seattle, Washington, where I call home uh, and helped other immigrant community, um, you know, uh, members survive and, and not only survive, but thrive, right? And and um, once I finished college and uh, went to the Middle East, uh, where my roots are, and worked, um, decided that I wanted to give back to the same industry that, or you know, a field that provided me the support and guidance that I needed as a refugee immigrant child, and became an aid worker um, and spent uh, about a decade and a half in, across Middle East and North Africa in a variety of different leadership roles, particularly actually working with women and on focus around women's empowerment and protection and uh, providing gender-based violence um, prevention. And I loved it. I loved being able to give back to the communities, create programs and strategies that would advance women's rights, that would create protective environments for children and um, the most vulnerable of society. Um, but of course, these leadership positions came with a lot of uh, stresses. And as a often the youngest and the first woman in a position, 
I had to create new systems and um, ask questions and spend a lot more time observing and, and finding mentors to rely on to be a leader. So over the last um, four years, I decided I'm, I've been doing this for the last two decades. I'm good at it. I have a lot of skills and resources, and I want to share this with my fellow forever learners and leaders. And that's when we I started uh, with my really good friend, Funless um, uh, Strategies, uh, Leadership and Management Consulting Agency. So just a little quick recap. I'm happy to share more, but just that's why I do what okay. I do today. I love it. And of course, we have all of your your information linked up in the show notes. So people will be able to go connect and follow you. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. Um, but I always like to remind people if something, if something connects, go, go connect and follow because there's, there's opportunity to continue these conversations one-on-one, right? The podcast is great for us to have a conversation and share that conversation with the world. But, uh, as I always like to say, like connecting on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever you want to connect is a great way to kind of carry that theme through. Um, so one of the things you shared in terms of your journey and, and one of the challenges that you've seen is the disconnect between the people who, when we, when we talk about the strategies and programs around diversity, equity, inclusion, that sometimes we feel like these initiatives become checkboxes rather than fully embraced to, to deliver value. And, I want to I want to learn more about how you have faced this as a challenge, but then also how, how have you overcome that? Because I know you've you've put some things in place as the one. Sometimes it can be hard to say, okay, you I see that you have raised your hand and said you support women in the workplace, but I don't see any women in senior leadership, right? I don't see women like. Did you really put any any action behind that phrase, or is it just did you just check the box and say, yeah, I agree? Um, so I'd love to hear kind of your your perspective on how this has has shaped in your career, but also how do you overcome that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I took this very personally, mainly because as a uh, a leader, I was often the first of you know first woman or the youngest, and so every time I walked into a space, like I said, I really try to observe and understand um, what support mechanisms are in place to ensure the success uh, of any individual um, in their role. And often I found that a women were not at, at the table, and or there wasn't inclusivity or um, equity really present at, at the various agencies that I worked in, or just supported, um, uh, you know, as a consultant and as a as a mentor. And and I realized um, both as a a gender advisor specialist, where which I was for quite a short time in my career, um, where I would actually you know, be recruited to help organizations develop systems and processes so they're not just checkboxes when they're recruiting or when trying to retain or, or, or um, you know, uh, promoting women to more senior leadership positions. Um, I found that it was, it was, sometimes we would have these wonderful strategies on paper, but in reality it wasn't being um, executed. And, or a few people were championing this, but it wasn't an organization-wide um, embedded value or principle. And so I, I really had to do a lot of um, digging to figure out and, and testing to figure out what works. And both as an advisory position, but also later on as a leader, as a senior leader that was expected to now have, you know, be in that seat and 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 make decisions that are more, that, you know, we ensure inclusivity, we ensure that there is really, uh, we're staying true to our mission and, and vision and values as an organization. 
And I think a few things that have worked really well was one, understanding that this is not one person's responsibility. Um, it's, it's false to think that one, if you hire one individual, they will, you know, be the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion will be resolved. <laughs> the token person, right? The, 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 yeah. the one woman in the room, the, the one, the, yeah, the, it, it drives yeah. me crazy when it's like, well, we put, we put one, one person, one diverse person in the room. And in some ways it almost makes it harder because that one person's carrying a lot of weight on their shoulders and they become the, the DEI everything. And that's not exhausted. They get exhausted. Exactly. They get exhausted. They're overworked. They're, um, they're, and then if something fails, they're the one to blame, which again, creates this, this space like, oh, it was, this person wasn't the right fit when the reality is the system and the processes weren't in place for that person to succeed. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think what, what, what we, when I recommended and and really um, championed was ensuring that there was, you know, every department, um, if, if, or if every, um, you know, unit had a DEI champion, ideally so that those those goals that were made in the beginning of the year, the key, you know, performance indicators, the strategies that were developed by the leadership team um, were really uh, being you know, executed uh, on day-to-day basis or quarterly basis were being reviewed. So one person was championing it, but then they were also, they realized that they weren't alone in this process and that, right. that you know, and then and then the second part is that leadership supported that. The leadership came out publicly and said, we support these initiatives. We have these champions and we would like everyone to work with them so that they are successful. And the leadership were also held accountable to make sure that they're checking in with these champions and seeing what kind of support they need. So it's a two-way street for both sides to be successful. Right. And then finally, and finally, I think it was just the strategies. If they don't, it's not strategies. If there's no goals in place, and you often need to do an assessment prior to understand where your gaps and challenges are before you get to that position, not just develop a strategy because, again, one person comes in and designs something thinks is best, but rather something that is owned by the agency. So developing a strong strategy, you know, leadership also championing and, and holding themselves accountable, others accountable. And, and the third is making sure that every department and unit has a system, a, a, a body or individual that is representing and also right. holding the organization accountable. Right. So I want to, I want to circle in on the accountability piece of this, because this can sometimes be hard if, depending on where we're at in our career, right? If, if you're, if you're in senior leadership and you're in the room with the people who are rolling this out, then it's a little easier to hold people accountable because you're, you're at the same level. You're not going to maybe, um, offend anybody, but for people who might be manager level or even just individual contributors, how can we hold leadership accountable to do the things they say they're going to do without feeling like we're, we're kind of being that, that nitpicky, like, eh, eh, like, like nobody wants to be the annoying employee. Right. And we don't want to, we don't want to come across as, as complaining or whining, but how can, how can, and I, I tend to focus women specifically, cause that's an area I'm very passionate about, but I am always looking for ways that people at lower levels can help hold senior level accountable. We're going to take a quick break to talk about the International Association of Women. We talk a lot about the challenges women face, and we know that the best way to overcome challenges is with a supportive community by your side. The International Association of Women is here to support you throughout your professional journey. No matter where you're at in your career or business, IAW has the resources, tools, programming, and events to help you make progress towards your goals. 
This includes frequent networking events where you can show up authentically and share your ask with the community, a resource library filled with eBooks and templates, and monthly workshops and webinars that are geared towards helping you maximize your potential. Visit www.iawomen.com to learn more about the IAW community and how IAW will help you fast track your success. All right, let's get back to the show. See, and that's interesting because that's such a catch-22, right? Because if there is no systems or processes in place to collect these opinions and voices, you're right. Um, the junior staff and, and, and uh, women leaders will feel uh, intimidated to speak up. And am I risking my job? Am I risking the possibility of getting promoted? Am I you know, criticizing leadership and what will that mean for me? And, and, and rightly so to be concerned about that, right? Um, so I always, I always uh, you know... It, Organized when walking into an organization or taking an employment, and I always tell, um, you know, individuals that I coach is, make sure that the organization has those systems and, and resources and, and um, avenues in place to collect, you know, anonymous and known feedback from their employees on regular basis. If they are not doing that, that's a red flag. I would not want to work there because mm -hmm. how else am I supposed to provide that space? But if that space does not exist, let's assume we have wonderful listeners today who are working with agencies that, you know, don't have those space systems in place and they like what they're doing and want to stay there. My recommendation is when there are, when you, when you go through your annual or biannual performance reviews, um, often employees do to, you know, if nothing else to obtain merit increases, right? To really utilize that time to make it a two-way feedback loop. Often employees are the ones listening, you know, to their manager to give that feedback. But this is an opportunity. Um, some good managers will ask, well, do you have any feedback from me? Or can I improve on anything? Or is there anything for the organization? That's an opportunity to step in. And even, even if they don't ask that, make, make, a, make that space, own that space, own it. And, say, and, and be like, I would like to provide some feedback in one, two, three, four, right? And share that generally. Um, if not, then... You know, I recommend um, sending an email to HR and, or meeting with an HR representative and saying, I have some ideas to get more employee feedback. You know, would you help me create a survey or how can we obtain employee feedback? Because I know myself and my peers have a lot of wonderful feedback to provide. So I think yeah. really utilizing the existing systems in place. But that's also leadership's job to create those avenues. And if they're right. not there, then something is missing. There's something missing. Yeah. And I think from a leadership perspective, like that's where creating really good two-way conversation with employees and being open and receptive to feedback. I read a quote recently on social media, or I don't know if it was a quote or something, but around how leaders really like it's, you're not just showing up to manage the person like you, you can, you have, you have their entire journey and you're, you're responsible for mm -hmm so much, right? Because so much. if you're not managing them in a way that they're performing, it's manager's responsibility to be monitoring, tracking and reporting, right? And if if I'm doing something that's hindering my employee's growth, I need to own that because that's that their growth is it's not just the clocking in and clocking out, but it's it's mm -hmm. their next it's their entire career, right? And that feeds into so much of our personal lives. And I think as leaders, we owe it to our teams to really listen and to to be a part of the conversation, not just the, yeah, yeah, checkbox here, mm -hmm. support it here, but but really to be able to be open to feedback and to I I often call these courageous conversations, right? There's mm. there's we don't know until we get into a conversation, and you have to be open to having the conversation in a way that's non judgmental and that is that is 
it's, it's a two-way thing, right. And, and where there's psychological safety and people feel comfortable coming to you. Um, because I think that's how we create environments where people thrive because they feel safe and they feel heard and they feel supported. And that's, (laughs) um, so one of the things I want to, I want to circle back to, uh, for our listeners to understand when we set up these podcast recordings, we get some information submitted through a form and that's how we kind of set up the conversation. And one of the tips that you shared with us, uh, you, you wrote here, empowerment thrives in a space where everyone feels heard, respected, and valued. And that kind of circles back to what I just said with like creating that space, right? So your tip actively listen to one another's stories, experiences, and ideas, because when we truly understand each other's perspectives, we can better collaborate, offer relevant support, and together we can build stronger communities. So that, how have you tackled this in terms of showing up in a space where you are, I talk a lot about active listening as being one of the most important skills. And I think mm-hmm. something we all, we all like, we all could do better on. So better anything, at. any, any tips or specific things you can share in regards to as, and and I'm kind of taking this from the leadership perspective, how mm. do we, how do we hone in on that skill? How do we get better at, at listening? Yeah, I think that's a, it's a tough one. It really is this ever evolving skill um, that one needs to work on. Um, I think it's very important, like you said, for um, leaders to be, to have compassion and to really look at the individuals on their team. And, uh, and I understand that, you know, I have different tips and tricks for different sizes of teams that are managed. The smaller the team, the obviously the more intimate conversations and relationships can be built. I love, and I'm a big fan of one-on-ones. Um, and if that's, you know, once a month or every two weeks, um, and that could be on a walk to getting our favorite Starbucks drink, you know, just to check in. And I really spend that time not going over just tasks, you know, what do you have to do, but how are you doing as an individual? Are, are you feeling like you're growing in this organization or company? Are you, uh, you know, where's your performance goals at? You know, your personal development um, plans, where are they headed? How can I support you? Is there anyone else in the in the organization that I can connect you with so that you can reach that goal? Um, or, you know, in, and just to learn more about that individual and also their personal life, because then, then I can obviously understand why Ali is coming to work late the last year weeks he has a newborn at home and there's a lot going on on his you know in, in, at home so that I need to support with and so there's it's really understanding that these are individuals that we're working with that have complex lives outside of the work environment and then that sub- reminding them as leaders that you know I care about not only your personal journey but your professional like where are you headed how can I be of more support to you right yeah uh, but it's harder when you have the larger teams right when you're you know you're there's remote work involved. There's also, <laughs> you know, there's like you're managing one director that has, you know, 10 different departments or, you know, more, you know, different regional offices that they're supporting. I obviously, your direct reportees, you must have a relationship with that you have to get to know them. Um, where you where, where funding allows bringing these teams together in person um, on annual basis to hold team building retreats, those are so priceless and underrated. The fact that you can bring two people together for you know five to seven days and really you know get to have them get to know each other, be together, really understand the strategies of the organization, express their connection with the values, and also share feedback on the challenges and concerns they have, and creating that space um, and being intentional about creating that space is where you're going to empower your employees to feel like I love working in this space. I'm comfortable as I am. I'm heard and I can grow here. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's so important in terms of when we talk about retention and the, the employee experience and engagement, I think it's so important to create those spaces where they feel like they're having an impact because let's, even if you love your job and everything you do, not every day is going to be great, but that, that experience and feeling valued is what's going to make you stick, right? That's what's going to keep you from being like, well, maybe the grass is greener over there. Maybe Mm -hmm. I should be exploring something else. Um, I find I, I'm such a big advocate for creating relationships with everyone on my team and even relationships with people who are not on my team, but who we, I work closely with like, and maybe not even closely. Right. But it's this idea that the more I know about you and the more I know about me, the better we can work together because sometimes like I, I support a lot of people on different teams with different requests. And sometimes I'm like, listen, if you put the ticket in, I might not see it till later in the day. If something's urgent, just pick up the phone and call me. Yeah. And they're like, we can do that. I'm like, yeah. I mean, if we worked in an office together, you'd flag me down, right? Here's my cell phone number. If something is urgent, please text me or call me. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are not interrupting me. You are not. And and it's it's crazy sometimes that I have to put that out there so vocally of yeah. my my phone, my my doors. I work from home, right? My door is always open. You can, you can And if you need something personally, I'm here to support that. I know that we don't always want to share personal. I find... If somebody's showing up having a bad day at work, there's probably something else going on in their lives. And we right. we have to understand that to be mm-hmm. able to be empathetic and to to lead in a way that's going to empower them to keep coming back and being productive. So it's a exactly. it's a journey. Um, as I mentioned before, as we start to wrap up here, um, you you can connect with Dali on social media. We've got her website and all her links linked up below in the show notes. Um, Dali, to close us out here. Any, can you, can you end us with like any final tip or words of wisdom that you want to connect with our audience on? Um, maybe two things that come to mind. I think one, uh, like you said, like not every day, you know, going to work is going to be fun. So find allies and friends and peers that you really enjoy working with and connecting with and, and lean on them, um, for support on those bad days, but for guidance and um, and also encourage those that are listening to be that person that people can lean on, right? Um, open up uh, that you know your office hours to encourage more open door policy and and take out your peers to you know your or a new employee or a, a more junior employee to to lunch and or just coffee and, and ask them where their future is headed. I think that gesture is going to go long ways and 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 even pay it forward in the future, right? Um, so definitely take advantage of that. And I think the other is to to take care of yourselves. I think wellness is very very important. Um, uh, the amount of times I've stressed that work cannot be the only thing that you focus on, you know, your profession is a part of your life. So you need to find hobbies and interests that you have outside of that and have, you know, um, clear boundaries um, at at work so that you know that uh, you're not being, you know, just taken advantage of in any capacity. And I think when you take care of yourself, you can be a better individual at work and at, um, you know, and support others as well in their development journey. So those are the two things that I would leave with today. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks to everyone who listened in. If you connected with any of this, we always love your reviews and your feedback. You can let us know on any, oh, excuse me, on any of the podcast platforms. Dahlia, thank you so much. Everyone have a great day. We will see you back here again next week with another episode of podcast. 
Thank you for listening to Unlimited Horizons, a podcast hosted by the International Association of Women. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at www.iawomen.com.